This week on Always Be Watching, Dan raves about a reality lifestyle crafting show. No, really, it's very good. Meanwhile, Chris Yates takes us on the ultimate threat level, Midnight. And then we go on to discuss our Christmas television traditions. This is the Always Be Watching Holiday Special. Hold on to your lumpies, it's starting now. Folks, this is the Always Be Watching podcast. My name, Dan Barrett, joined by... My name's Chris. How are you, Dan? I'm pretty good, Chris Yates. I'm going to give you a surname. <laughs> now, Chris, in my intro, I mentioned Lumpy. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I thought you were being crass. No, no, no. I, I realise you may have thought that. Um, as all good uh, citizens of the cultural imperial life that we lead, uh, as they would know, the Star Wars holiday special... <laughs> that not, Lumpy. Not the Christmas special, <laughs> but the holiday special. Yes, yes. Uh, we're introduced to Chewbacca's son. His name was Lumpy. Oh, he was, he was now, a sad little lump. Was it his son or was it his, like, nephew? I want to say it's his son. <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I would have to uh, Wikipedia that, but uh, <laughs> Eric, let's go with son. Why not? I, I feel it's his son. That means, of course, that he had to procreate to have a child, which I want to keep that visual in my head. Yeah, as do I. <laughs> you can have a very cool sort of 70s porno track because it's authentic to the era. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I sh- I, uh, and there was plenty of that kind of music in the actual holiday special. You know what I really like about Wookiees? <laughs> Tell me. Don't shave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wookiees are awesome. Uh, Man, hasn't this podcast started up to a strong start? It's really good, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, this is, uh, of course, uh, due to your Star Wars fever, which you have been experiencing lately. Yeah, yeah, I was told to take two... Uh, do they have medicine in the Star Wars universe? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I, I can't say, Maybe you were in one of those chambers with all the water, yeah, the yeah. fluid. I always thought that was very cool, and I thought, well, this must be based on something that actually really happens. Mm. But then I watched a lot of ER and realised that isn't the case. <laughs> That's not true. No, no. Yeah. Um, but yes, of course, it's all... But we're not going to talk about Star Wars today, are we? Uh, no. I'm not going to, anyway. No, I mean, this is the holiday special. Yes. Because we are celebrating all denominations, much like in the Star Wars universe. Yes, we've declared war on Christmas. We have. And we're winning. <laughs> this is what Chris <laughs> Kenny teaches me. Yes. But anyway, Chris, we are going to talk about two TV shows, like one each. Uh-huh. And then we're going to talk about our Christmas holiday traditions. Sounds good. I just use the word Christmas. <laughs> I've fallen victim to the war. Yeah, that's right. It's Yet hard. another innocent. Exactly. Mm. Chris Yates, do you want to go first? Uh, sure, in, I'll go in, first. In the spirit of this holiday season, <laughs> I'm gifting you the opportunity to go first. I much appreciate it, Dan. Um, as you mentioned in your intro, I have had the extreme pleasure of watching Michael Scott's direct, directorial debut, Threat Level Midnight. You can probably guess what happened next. Well, Michael went to meet the president to tell him the exciting news. So let me get this straight. You just said the bomb is in the puck? Yes. Is that where you hit the bomb, Golden Face? But why would you blow up the stadium? You own the stadium. For the insurance money. Okay, Chris. Now, I feel that most people listening to this realize this isn't a real show, but do you want to explain what it is that we're talking about here? Okay, so around sometime around 2011, in uh, season, I'm going to say seven, 
of the office. Does that sound about right to you? No, uh, that's about right. The American office. The American office. Not the, season seven of the British one. No, not one of the 14 episodes of that show. Uh, Michael Scott um, put the uh, his staff, the manager of the Dunder Mifflin Paper Co., put the, his staff through uh, the rigour of acting in a uh, film that he'd been uh, planning for quite some time, I think about 12 years up to that point, <laughs> an action film called Threat Level Midnight. Now, this is notable to discuss this week because in the last week or so, the producers of The Office, I don't know if it was just like an NBC Universal thing or if it actually came a bit more organically from the actual like creatives. Yeah, I'm not sure either, to be honest. I haven't done a lot of research on it before, no. prior to talking about it right now. But you can go on YouTube as of this week and watch the full production of Threat Level Midnight. Unfortunately, it's not a 90-minute-plus feature. It does only go for 26 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> that's enough. I say unfortunately, but yes, that's probably more than enough. Um, now, I'm sure the reason why this week of all weeks is because Netflix have unveiled their $150 million movie called Six Underground. Yes, right. Which, you're across this, Chris? Oh, I'm across this. This is the movie stuff. Starring Deadpool yep. as a uh, some kind of action hero. Yes, that is correct. With five <laughs> other action heroes. Is that enough of a description of what happens in the film? Pretty much. Now, what I find fascinating about... We're going to divert here for a moment and talk about Six Underground. Imagine that. On this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Now, of all places. So, Six Underground, $150 million film, uh, directed by Michael Bay. So, like, this is a big action movie extravaganza. The thing is, I don't know if you've been walking around the city, Chris, and it may be hard to see in Sydney because of all the smoke. smoke yes. But if you squint your eyes at like bus ads and you know shelters and whatnot, billboards, I'm not seeing anything. No, this. I was going to say, I thought, oh, I haven't been paying attention, and but no, there's been nothing. This is it, and so this is Netflix saying, hey, look, we can release big budget action films as well that are just as good as the things you'd go and see in the cinema. Okay, and like they've got big name talent. Like Michael Bay is a big cinema action director. Probably the biggest these days, right? Yeah. Ryan Deadpool Reynolds, he's, you know, a, as big an action star as you really get. Okay, but, like, you know, this is going direct to Netflix. It won't have a cinema release at all. Okay, I think in some territories around the world, there's like one or two screens that are playing it, but it's not like it's a yeah. big thing. But there's no ads for it. And this is where I think Netflix may be falling down a little bit, which is that Netflix just generally don't tend to promote their shows because they figure the actual platform itself does the advertising for them. Yeah. So it's the platform, it's the word of mouth. So you get on there and it's like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll press play. But I think that if they're going to go to the idea of saying, the conceit of this is that you can see a film that is just as big and stupid as any other big action <laughs> film that you're seeing, okay, but it's there for you on Netflix and exclusive to Netflix, then they should probably treat it the same way you would with every other big budget movie release around the place and have a stupid advertising campaign around it and just say, the only place you can see it is on Netflix. I think that just really just drums home what they're actually doing with this production. So you think they've missed an opportunity to market themselves as a, uh, a, a blockbuster yeah. studio here? And that's the thing. So I would say that that isn't really a tenable situation to have ongoing. But I think in this early phase where they've, for the last few years, said, hey, look, we've got these big award show contenders. And so when you watch the Oscars, you see Netflix, Netflix films nominated Last year it was Roma, this year you're going to see uh, Two Popes and also uh, what's called Marriage Story, and then there's also uh, Scorsese's the Irishman. Irishman. Like, that's th- that's three big, like, award show contenders. Yeah, and so sure. they've already got that space worked out. But if they want to be in this space over here, which is the stupid action film genre, 
they need to treat these things like stupid action films for a little while, have a few campaigns like that, and then when people are used to the idea of it, then you just stop doing that and you just go back to business as usual. I clearly haven't watched enough big stupid action films on Netflix because they're not even really pushing it to me on the platform well, itself. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. It's very strange. I mean, I see it. So, I mean, I don't really watch big stupid action films generally on Netflix. You just watch everything else. Have you watched? Yeah. Um, have you watched this Michael Bay film? I have not yet, and I really wanted to, but this is a Star Wars week. Yes. And my week has been very much geared around watching the 10 live-action Star Wars films leading into, you know, the midnight screening that, as this is published, I'll be off to see later this evening. Excellent. Uh, I look forward to talking to you about it. Um, Yeah, so I haven't seen Six Underground yet, but I think maybe this weekend I'll give it a go. I don't think I will. But anyway, that's just my prerogative. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, if this went to the cinemas, I probably wouldn't watch it. But I'm just curious to know what this $150 million Netflix film is. So in the- so you're saying that you think that this is um, the officer's way of having another... Of, of contending against the Michael Bay with the other Michael, Michael Scott. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, th- I think they thought this is just a funny week to release it. I think it's it's definitely a funny week to release it. Anytime I think it's uh, very schlocky. You can imagine exactly what it is. I think that there were some sections of the film on... Um, the uh, actual episode, but it is great watching it all the way through. So, because you have watched it, I presume you've watched it if you're talking about it. <laughs> I have, Dan. <laughs> so, having actually we've, watched We've it, talked about that before. <laughs> <laughs> what is the sort of genre of action film they're going for? Uh, like, it probably doesn't feel like a Michael Bay sort of action film, but is it more like a 1980, uh, like 80s? Yeah, I would put it firmly more in the camp of like Lethal Weapon 4. Okay. If there was a four. Because I was thinking it'd be maybe more like a Kevin Costner No Way Out or something like that. It's, it's even got some of the dialogue from Lethal Weapon, I believe, in <laughs> the really? film. Uh, is Michael Scott getting too old for this shit? <laughs> yes, I believe he is. Um, there's a lot of great stuff happens in the film. There's some, some conspiracies involving the US president. Um, there is uh, <laughs> Jim from... Um, Jack Ryan. Jim from Jack Ryan is the uh, bad guy, uh, Goldface, uh, who has a lovely painted gold face, um, and is just a terrible, a terrible guy. There's some uh, amazing uh, hockey, ice hockey scenes in it. Look, it's pretty much got everything you could want from an action film in 25 short minutes. Is it actually funny? It's a little bit funny. Look, <laughs> so here's my concern. I'm thinking, first of all, this was made so that they would shoot like half an hour and then like get the funniest sort of like three minutes and intersperse it through the episode but then also I think this is season seven of The Office and the best years were definitely behind it by this point yeah I think it's it's kind of like only just I think like it was recently that the I think the best years were sort of the five and six uh, looking back on it putting you on the spot what is the best story arc from The Office anything with Creed in it <laughs> but he just had scenes like I know, story he, didn't really have an, he didn't really have an arc the show regularly did little arcs throughout it I don't know I would probably say Ryan and Kelly Kapoor's on, on again off again uh, yeah. relationship was very very funny um, I, I'm a big sucker for the Michael Scott Paper Company storyline oh yes that's very good and that's very late that's sort of that's more like season 8 I think no nah, it's not that late in no could, sure? it's like a 4 or a 5 uh, okay I'll believe I'll trust you I feel that's right uh, I watched a bunch of them recently actually and they were very very funny 
funny. Uh, yeah. and, and I love the way, uh, you know, he uh, teamed up with Pam in those um, episodes. I think she, that was really great for their relationship. Yeah, it was great for the relationship and also for Pam herself because up until that point, she'd just been the receptionist. Because if you remember the way that storyline yeah. starts, he does these Jerry Maguire moments is like, who's with me? <laughs> and she's the only person that really goes with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very cute. Um, but I think that, like, you know, you, you are right to a degree. Like, you're not going to go in expecting it to be... Um, laugh a minute uh, I let YouTube rolling afterwards and it played the um, uh, bloopers from season 4 I think and I laughed a lot more at that than I did at the actual threat level midnight but they, but it's still very welcome a nice reminder of how uh, how easy it was to watch The Office uh, during its great days and why it is so rewatchable which is basically um, just because of uh, Michael Scott yeah, I'm going to give this a look, I think. <laughs> Primarily, I think, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you will, Dan, and I'm sure you'll really enjoy it, and that's probably all I've got to say about it. Okay. So anyway, where can people find this? Uh, YouTube. YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's a YouTube exclusive. That's YouTube.com? YouTube.com. Dan. Chris. At this late stage of the year, what have you been watching this week? So I've been in a situation where I've watched so much TV the last week or two. The thing is, it's all been things that we've talked about here on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. me too. I did a lot of that as well, actually, catching so, up. Yeah, and there haven't really been that many new things that have launched. So, as I said at the beginning, like I meant to watch Six Underground, and I didn't get around to it. And I've been watching Star Wars films that I've seen countless times before, and Watchmen, which had that amazing finale. Which I haven't seen yet. Shush. So good. Chris, you won't <laughs> believe what happened to it. No. If you've discounted Watchmen because you're like, ah, oh, it's superhero stuff, like, just give it another oh, look. Yeah. Like, it's, it's definitely working above the level of most other that's... That sort of thing. Definitely so. Definitely mm. so. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about Watchmen, and we've got two episodes as we record left of Mandalorian, so yep, we can't talk about, talk about that, that yet. Either. So I'm scratching around, and I thought, you know what? There is actually something I've been watching, which we haven't discussed on the podcast, and I've been watching a lifestyle reality show, Chris, based around the premise of crafting. Now, I'm seeing you shaking your head. <laughs> this sound, like This is not your kind of thing, is it? Uh, no. No, it is not my kind of thing. Well, I like lo- I like a lot of lifestyle programming because I'm a pretty dull person, but, but n- no, not crafting. Do you ever go out of your way to watch it, or does it just kind of appear on your no, TV and not just really. like, sit around watching it for yeah, a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. right. This is a show that I think that not only would you actually be going, hey, look, I want to watch this crafting show, I think you would actually go out of your way to watch <laughs> all it. All right, all right. I know, this is a bold statement. What if I said that this wasn't just any crafting show, but really this is the series Making It, which stars as its hosts Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman? All right, yes, okay. That's got t- you've tweaked my interest now. This is gritty New York. You've got a view of brick walls out of your window. <laughs> <laughs> I want to work on, like, movie sets, and so it's almost kind of like an urban alleyway facade. Yeah, this does feel like a set scene, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, for me, it's very evocative of the mid-'80s New York City breakdance culture, which I was a big part of in many of my dreams. And, uh, Nick could pop and lock pretty well. Just If you could just pop and lock a little bit. Well, that, um... This... <laughs> this, this, uh, this desk that you have... Uh, is calling to the 16-year-old me. My name at that time was TikTok. (laughs) So the format of this show follows exactly the same as any other reality competition show. They've taken over a house, large shed crafting workshop type thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's six, eight, eight, eight different tables that people craft on. At the end of the episode, they, you know, award somebody a prize, which is like a little so-on like badge type thing. And then somebody has to say goodbye. 
Of course. So it's the same as every other reality thing. But what works about this, and definitely the reason why I've watched more than one episode at this point, <laughs> and this is into season two in the US now, uh, you've got Amy Poehler and Nick Hoffman at the centre of it. And Nick Hoffman, we know, is much like his character on uh, Parks and Recreation. He's big into woodworking, and like, he's actually like a craftsman. Yeah, right. Okay, Amy Poehler doesn't seem to really have like any sort of marketable skills in that sort of arena at all. Like, she, I don't think she's really a crafter per se. But what both of them are bringing is a passion for the ability for people to just be able to create things and actually, you know, just craft something out of just the odds and ends sitting around the place. So it really is a true celebration of people exhibiting their passions, their creativity on this composition show. Um, Sorry, is episode one a spice rack? uh, No. So it's a bit more elaborate than that. So I've been watching season two the last few days and the episode I saw last night had two compositions. The first one was, because uh, I think it might have been timed with Halloween, I'm not quite sure, but they had to create a costume for themselves. They had to team up in like groups of two. Sure. Um, so one of them ended up, or well, like one grouping, uh, did a, you know, people dress up as like a horse. Yeah. You know, two people. Uh, but they dressed up as a pinata. Hey, that's okay. pretty good. And so, like, not only was, like, a fully sort of constructed, like, wooden plastic type thing that they'd sort of built, but you could also, because like, it's a pinata, they invited people to come and whack them. So you go and whack the middle of the horse, and then it separates, and all this candy comes out. Very and it's, good. It's, like, crafted candy. Uh, some other people dressed up as, like, two good friends that were robots and stuff. It's actually, like, it's fun creativity. Because <laughs> you think about the dumb stuff you might do at home, but if you actually had some skill, like, what could you actually do? Yeah, yeah. If you had some real creativity... And so these people are really exhibiting, like, you know, just some amazingly fun things. And then in the back end of the episode, they had to design a house for their pets. So most of them did dog houses because, you know, most of them had dogs. pretty common. Uh, and, like, some of them were, like, amazing. And so they had, like, different sort of themes and approaches to it. But then there were a couple that had sort of strange pets. So there was one lady who didn't really have any pets, but she really likes butterflies. Yeah. So she created a butterfly enclosure. So, like, that was kind of fun. And, and there was another guy that has a pet turtle. So he built a uh, turtle house, but the house was actually, because he's also got like a passion for Japanese things. So, you know, those Japanese helmets, like the... Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, So it was like one of those, but like at the top was like this little turtle enclosure thing. And it's really cool. Like, it's just these elaborately amazing things. But what works about this show is that it's such a celebration of people just being able to do like just fun things with their imagination. And just sitting there watching people craft these things up, that's fun in itself. But then you layer in, like, Polar and Offermans, who are both very funny and will play around with them. And, like, there's just so much of their sort of... Parks and Recreation is about, like, nice humour. And that's what the show is. Like, it is just injecting that same level of comedy in. Where if you like Parks and Recreation, like, this is a slam dunk show. I was going to use the word that uh, is probably an overword used, uh, overused word in mm. 2019, but one I really like, which is wholesome. Yeah. Sounds incredibly wholesome. Yeah, I figured you're going to talk about either wholesomeness or white supremacy. <laughs> yeah. Those are the two words for 2019. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm much more into wholesomeness, uh, to be fair. Yeah. But, um, oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone, like, getting creative by erecting crosses. No. No. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, although there's plenty of that going on, apparently. Yeah. But, yeah, making it, definitely check this out. Making it. And this is on uh, a platform that I have access to now? So, in the US, it's on, I want to say it's NBC and Hulu are streaming it, but in Australia, Foxtel have picked it up and it will be starting there from, 
I don't have the exact date in front of me. It's either the 1st or the 3rd of January. Oh, cool. So next year. The, um, uh, well, you say next week. Oh, like <laughs> next year. It's like next week. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, true. Um, but they haven't played it all out here yet. No. Haven't, hasn't been screened anywhere. And it's amazing because I was like, I said out loud on Twitter, has anyone actually started screening this yet? Because I just hadn't found it anywhere locally. And then literally like the next day in my inbox, there was an email saying, hey, it's... You know, Somebody coming. heard you. And it wasn't like directed at me. It was just, you know, I got the media release. People are listening, Dan, I reckon. Yeah, that must be it. They're still sending that stuff through. Uh, so Fox will be starting with season one in Australia, but there's no word yet if they'll roll straight in season two or not. Mm. But yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how all these episodes are. The one criticism I'll have of the show is that if you think about uh, Etsy.com, mm-hmm. you're familiar with the website. If you go there, you can find some like really sort of unique sort of creativity like being exhibited. Of course, yeah, there. yeah. Okay, so the stuff that you see built on the show is very much that level of like the high, like high-end Etsy stuff. There's a lot of product promotion that takes place in this, and one of the two judges that they have is someone from Etsy. Yeah, right. So she would drop the word Etsy into like every possible <laughs> opportunity. Because, you know, she's paid to do it, so, you know, it is what it is. And then the other guy is just like a creative guy. I can't remember what his actual deal is. I'd like to see it with maybe people who are terrible at doing craft as well. That would be kind of cool. I mean, yes, but also, like, watch this show. Like, it is such an inspiring, fun program. All right. I like fun, and I like to be inspired, and there's been very little of that over 2019, so... And look, this is absolutely not my kind of show, (laughs) but I'm some of this program. Well, look, we're both massive Parks and Recreation fans, Yeah. so there's, like, I can see how you got in... I can see the entry point there, so... Also, it has, like, weirdo humour as well through it. Mm, Like, it's not just them being nice, but it literally is just, like, strange, odd humour in a very sort of jovial way. Excellent. Look, I'm sold. Yeah. I will check that out. Indeed. Uh, So, Chris. Yes. Now comes the time of the year. Well, the time of the show, (laughs) but also the time of the year that we have here, where I thought we could take the opportunity to not sell people on the idea of the bad TV shows we've been watching recently, but instead maybe to reflect upon the fact that this is a time where you've either got a lot of time to watch TV or very little time to watch TV. (laughs) Yes. Throughout my life, historically, there is so much TV that gets consumed during like this week and a half that yes. it's unhealthy. Uh, often you're at a family place where there's not much else to do other than watch TV. Well, this is it. So we're both based in Sydney. That's where the Always Be Watching headquarters are at the moment. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it's not a truck. It just roams around the countryside. <laughs> That's right. I like he's at the yeah. moment. It's like the A-Team. Yes, exactly. We're yeah. pre- except there's two of us. Exactly. Before the podcast started, I had to bust Chris out of a minimum security prison. That's that right. Got involved in because of adventures. And any time we get on a plane, you've got to drug <laughs> me with that with that poisoned milk, so I'll fly. Uh, classic. But Chris, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I usually go up to Brisbane where my fr- uh, family are located. Yes. Got some friends up there. Yes. Got some drinking to be done. Yes. Uh, but during a lot of that time, it's lots of sitting around watching TV because it's not my house. And so it's, you know, you got to fill your hours somehow. It's one of the, it's the only time of the year that I watch some sport on television. What, when do, you, I, what do you watch? I will, Is it like I will watch a little bit of cricket while I'm at, <laughs> with my, uh, while I'm at the mother-in-law's house. Okay. Um, so Chris, I want to ask you the question. Yeah. Like, what have you traditionally done? Like as, we'll talk about as an adult, but then we'll regress back a bit further. Look, as an adult, it's been a time to catch up on all the crap. I've ma- definitely made an effort to sort of catch up on all the stuff that I've missed throughout the year, the last few years anyway. And um, do you actually make a purposeful effort, or is it more just you sort of stumble across a few things? No, but it is making a bit of an effort, I think, like because it's definitely, you know, it's traditionally... In the olden days, when it was TV, when all we had was television and movies, um, it would be go down to the video shop and rent 10 movies for $10 and just try and, and watch everything you've already watched ever again because it was a terrible time for television. 
back in the broadcast days. It oh, was yeah. the worst. There would just be nothing good on. Everything shuts down. They shut the ratings down. They play terrible old shows. Um, heaps of the same crap Christmas movies every year. Yeah, so, like from the 15th of December through to like <laughs> the 30th of January. Pretty there's much. just nothing. Yeah. Except there would always be that one show that comes on that everyone gets obsessed by. So I remember back in like 94, 95, everyone was watching The Birds of Paradise. Oh, right. Which is like this quintessential summer show. And I think if you speak to people of a certain age, they'd be like, oh yeah, it was just like this really big show. But really it was like a show that got cancelled after 13 episodes. It just happens to be that that was the summer crap show that got put on. I vaguely remember. Remember that? Did that have a party of five connection? Uh, that had the Jennifer Love Hewitt yes. and also had Seth Green. Oh, wow. Uh, Timothy Busfield from 30 something. And also, and this will be of interest to you, Arlo Guthrie. Oh, my gosh. That is of interest to me. That's very yeah. interesting. Was in the show in as the an show. actor. Yeah. Oh, did not know that. Uh, so, yes, it's been a time of um, trying to, I guess, trying to catch. Well, well, and then the last few years, it's become, you know, where there's been a glut of things to watch. It's been a time to sort of uh, talk to my friend Dan and ask him what he's been watching throughout the year. And um, this year, of course, I will have a nice record of that to do it along with. Um, but I'm looking forward to, yeah, there's a few things I'm looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to tidying stuff up, really, this year. There's a bunch of shows that I've seen three or four episodes of that I really want to polish off. Well, what I was interested in is because you've got a couple of kids around now. So has oh, it's that a nightmare. Cha- has that changed the way that your TV consumption works over this period? Yeah, it's horrible. So it's just watching terrible... No, no, it hasn't been that bad. I mean, the the funny thing is is trying to show them things that I liked when I was a kid because yeah. they just hate it all, really. So, um, like, I, What sort of things? Oh, I'd, I can't even think of anything this uh, off the top of my head right now. But I know I did last year with my um, son, who was a bit young, who's probably like four... I tried to show him a bunch of Simpsons Christmas episodes, so we'll try that again this year. Might have a bit more luck uh, this time around. But, um, no, like, you know, they just want to watch Frozen and just garbage like that, so I have to just put up with it. Yeah, so I remember when I was a kid, there used to be a whole bunch, like, roughly around Christmas, and I can never really sort of pass in my mind exactly when this was because, you know, you've got, like, kid memory. Yeah. Uh, So I remember being a kid, so let's say, like, eight years old or whatever, and at that time, like, over that Christmas period for, like, a week or two leading into Christmas, there would always be a whole bunch of Christmas specials throughout the daytime. So, in- inevitably, there'd be, like, the family ties, like, yeah, Christmas Yeah, oh, yes, episodes. I used to, do, used to love all that sort of stuff. And then there'd be, like, a few Rankin-Bass, like, animated things. So, the little drum boy was always on, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <sighs> Had a couple of those. And I always used to watch them. I used to hate the little drum boy. <laughs> I used to watch him every year. I used to watch you him every year. You can't escape him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Awful. Like, they don't really screen that stuff anymore. And no. I find it gets very secular like over that Christmas period. Like They don't really do that on broadcast in the way they did. I noticed that there's a lot of um, kids' uh, Christmas stuff went up this week on Netflix that I haven't had a proper chance to go through. There's a new Christmas movie called Claus that's a Netflix original that I yeah. don't know anything about. I'll give it a go. Got to avoid all the hallmarky, Jesus-y stuff. There's heaps of that on there as well. So it's quite often that we'll start watching something and go like, ah, run to the television. <laughs> polluting our children's mind but like that's the weird thing so around the fringes so I talk about fringes even though like Netflix is probably the most mainstream way yeah, that yeah, a lot yeah. of people watch their TV but like Netflix have doubled down big on holiday films uh, Hallmark Channel in the US have yeah like for the four weeks leading into Christmas it's nothing but 24 hours of holiday <laughs> movies Christ. and they produce like a large volume of these films and I think even three months leading into Christmas they have a large takeover of the channel with wow. just Christmas things 
because people watch them. Like, if you look at the ratings in the US at the moment, like, Hallmark Channel is, like, kicking some serious butt because, you know, <laughs> People want to watch, watch that 24-hour Christmas shit. They love it. So I think they produce, like, 30 films leading into it. So it's, like, a new film every year as well as, you know, old favourites. Last year, we went and saw The Grinch. Uh, I took my kid to see The Grinch, which was quite good. Yeah. It, like, the movie was a little boring, really. It was really it was well done as, a, as far as the Dr. Seuss movie goes, but it was sort of... I don't know. It didn't. It didn't have a great lot of momentum, um, but it was kind of fun to see the different reworking of it. You know, I'm a bit of a Dr. Seuss freak, but there hasn't really been a um, other than the Frozen. There hasn't really been a good kids' Christmas movie this year. Yeah. Well, when it comes to movies, like my Christmas tradition the last couple of years has been again because I go out to Brisbane and you know hang out up there, uh, catching up with all my friends up there. And so there used to be a Star Wars film Star out. Star Wars and Christmas. So like this is Christmas. our last Star Wars Christmas. Yeah. What's going to happen next year? Well, I don't know what happens next year, but I'm excited about the year after that. Oh, my God. it stops being Star Wars Christmas, Chris. <laughs> Here we go. It becomes Avatar Christmas. But no, what I think is going to happen is they're going to rotate Avatar and Star Wars. Right. So, like, there's an Avatar film coming every two years. So, so it's Avatar Disney Wars. as well. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, because it was Fox. It was Fox, right. That's how it got rolled into there. Mm. Uh, I saw somebody on the internet talking positively about Avatar the other day, and it wasn't you. Yeah. I was shocked to see it. There has been a avalanche of Avatar, (laughs) like pro-Avatar content in the last few days. Yep, and it's just like, you might as well be screaming screaming into the night because nobody cares. No one cares in 2019, Chris, but 2021... How are you going to cope with the next two years of waiting? How many times can you watch Avatar 1 in that time? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'll probably watch about a number of times I've watched it in the preceding however many years it's been now. Which is zero. Chris, how dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry for trying to expose your uh, love of Avatar as nothing but a, sh- a, a charade used to conf- confound people. But um, yes. To confuse my relatives on Facebook. <laughs> Pretty much it. I, I do talk about Avatar on Facebook a lot. Yes, you do. Mm. Uh, and I do know you like it uh, genuinely. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be the same as Star Wars Christmas somehow. I think it's going to be very... I'm, I mean, life is moving so fast. I remember getting excited about the fact we had like four Star Wars Christmases in a row to look forward to or something like that. And yeah. It's already gone. It's already run out. It's already run out. But there'll be another Star Wars soon. It'll oh, be okay. Better be. I hope so. Actually, I'll probably I'll probably be good for a break after the last few weeks of non-stop Star Warsing. I've watched a lot of Star Wars. But there'll be Star Wars TV shows on a Disney Plus. Oh, there will be. I watched the um, uh, Clone Wars movie uh, directed by Dave Filoni um, I, I watched that a few weeks ago as well it's pretty good it's I, haven't, right. I haven't seen the series but I think this, and people say the series is even better I've watched a little bit of it but, yeah um, the series is better uh, so I saw the movie in the cinema oh really I didn't realise it had a theatrical release mm. uh, but yeah it was pretty good I, I was kind of quite shocked at how at the, and it's just that thing where you can just tell that Filoni gets Star Wars he's really all over it yeah, I don't think he's the strongest director they've had on The Mandalorian. No, but he's got a, such a great sense of the kind of the lore and the, uh, you know, and, and was able to introduce a whole bunch of new stuff and kind of new characters in a way that didn't suck and that people are still hanging on to. So, just a few Star Wars things to keep your eye out for in The Rise of Skywalker, the new film. Uh, if you like The Clone Wars, the young Jedi girl from a, what's her name, Ayusha? A- yeah, I can't pronounce it either. Yeah, a short, yeah. Uh, she apparently appears like briefly, so you get a bit of an Easter egg with her. Will people have already seen this movie by the time this podcast is on the air? I believe, if my um, efforts are correct, during the ten-hour car ride between here and Brisbane, <laughs> I'll probably bang out the podcast. Right, and, good. Yeah, get it live. 
Um, not while you're driving. I not what? Well, we'll see. <laughs> Don't podcast and drive. Haven't you seen the signs <laughs> up around? <laughs> You'll cop it if you do that. But those signs are only in inner city areas. <laughs> yeah, true. On it's the like highway. when you drive out to Swamba in Queensland, there's all the sort of anti-abortion signs. That's right. It's, it's, yeah. Nobody cares. Um, excellent. All right. Well, we managed to talk about Star Wars many times. During we did. This. The last thing I just <laughs> want to say in regards to... Hol- oh, sorry. Oh, Star Wars had one other thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, the big questions around at the moment is what happens to the Star Wars films after Rise of Skywalker? Because mm. no one knows what the next film's going to be. January is when they're talking about, like, the... Like announcement coming, so, so my guess would be Dave Filoni is going to be a very significant part of that. Uh, can I tell you the um, my friend Rupert has theories about uh, Star Wars that you love shitting on. Yeah, okay. Um, can I give you a new one that he came up with the other day? Only if I can love to. <laughs> okay, go on. What uh, he has put the fear of God into me with the very suggestion that uh, they are perhaps going to blow up the Millennium Falcon. Mm. What do you think about this? Maybe, but I don't think it'll happen purely because. The general sort of corporate approach to Star Wars at the moment is that they want to get rid of some of the characters that people don't really quite know and try to introduce like new things into the world. But part of this actually means that they need to keep some of the iconography of Star Wars around. Yeah. So my guess is Millennium Falcon continues on. Like if you think about the new theme park attraction at Disney, yeah, the Millennium Falcon is a part of that. But could it be a historical part of that? Like, could it be? I like, mean, maybe. So I'm not ruling it out. You're not going to rule it out. All right. Well, that's my, enough. My thought is, is that some of the things, like things that aren't necessarily actors and specific characters, I think they'll keep around. Yeah. See, that's uh, probably the only time I would ever cry at a movie is if they blow up the Millennium Falcon. I don't think I could deal with it, and I think I would have to take to the internet to, dis- to express my disgust at that. That'd actually be pretty revolutionary. No one's really gone onto the internet before to complain about Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. I don't, and I don't want to be the first. No. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll uh, tell I'll, Rupert will hear it and then swear about you under his breath, as he always does when uh, talking about your uh, responses to his theories. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he should be more correct. <laughs> um, do you, do you he, want to talk he about... Might, he might be right with that. I don't really... Like, of course. I nobody nobody knows. Nobody no. knows. Do you have any other theories? Uh, well, I mean, the theory I've been working with is... Okay, so this film comes out a very unique time where you've got The Mandalorian's going to have one episode left. Yep. So they're dropping an episode on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. So you can go and watch the episode before you go to your midnight screening. Oh, what? This Wednesday? Yeah. Oh, my God. So there's no Friday episode. Oh, my God. I've got to tell all the people. Yeah. I'm texting right now. Okay, so Mandalorian's Wednesday night. And then there's going to be a gap of like a week and a half. Yeah. And then the 27th is when the final episode is. Right. So it seems weird to me. Yes, you said this right from the get-go when you did yeah, the maths on it. That there is like this sort of gap. So if you think about it, like they obviously want to give some space uh, so that, you know, it isn't just like infringing upon. Do like, you think there's going to be something in the last episode of The Mandalorian that might have been, that might be, might spoil the movie I, or something? I think so. Mm. Yeah, like there's got to be something taking place. Because <sighs> it's weird that they just like, overlapped like this. It is very weird that they've made them overlap, yes. And also, it's weird that there's an Obi-Wan TV series coming early next... Well, they're going to production early next yeah, year. Yeah, when is that going to... I guess sometime next year. Like, late next year. Yeah, but it just feels weird that they've timed the Obi-Wan to happen now. So, like, maybe there's something with Ray's heritage, for example, which connects deeply to Obi-Wan. you got mm. that kind of thing going on. Who really knows? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. So, anyway, it's just interesting. It may work out that it's just, like, weird production... A lot of my like hardcore Star Wars nerds mates are all uh, feigning disinterest in this last film, or not disinterest, but sort of like not the same level of excitement as even the Last Jedi. Do you think there's some Star Wars fatigue out there? 
I don't know. Like, I mean, it's hard for me to tell because I've sat around watching 10 films. <laughs> and you're not fatigued. You could watch another 10. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> but, like, you look at the enthusiasm for The Mandalorian over the last few weeks yeah. on the internet. Like, people are excited about Star Wars still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to say people are fatigued. Yeah. Maybe just, uh, maybe there's been a little bit of love lost with JJ after the... Well, I don't know. No, be, I think the, 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 the sort of the online fan nerds liked Force Awakens more than... Last Jedi, right? Yeah, it's weird being so wrong. <laughs> but Chris, I feel that I did this podcast at a service by making a Star Wars reference at the beginning because we really have derailed things quite a fair bit. That's okay. I want us to like leave maybe with just like one last sort of Christmas tradition type thing that I used sure. to do that I just can't really do anymore, which is that every year leading into Christmas, and it's only been like sort of in this sort of streaming environment. There'd always be like one or two TV shows that would actually debut right at Christmas time. Right. So, for example, for a few years, Amazon were dropping Mozart in the Jungle, okay, which is an Amazon show. <laughs> Did you ever see this? No, I never saw it. I think you that. might like it. It's a bit of a weird sort of quirky show. It's sure. about a uh, composer. Uh, he's. It's a New York Symphony Orchestra sort of a situation. It's not quite the Symphony Orchestra. It's like another like prominent yeah. orchestra. Uh, they've always like got some sort of financial issues, and it's about the decision to get rid of the Malcolm McDowell character, who's been like the longtime uh, conductor for this orchestra, sure. and bring in like the sort of revolutionary sort of you know young sort of um, hip cool guy played by uh, that actor whose name has dropped out of my mind. It, it couldn't matter less. Christian Slater. It's not Christian Slater. <laughs> Johnny Depp. <laughs> Johnny, no, it's not Johnny Depp. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it's a really fun cast. Uh, there's lots of uh, people that you sort of know by face, just being interesting character actors that pop up in every New York movie and TV show. Excellent. It's a lot of fun. And they drop a new season, like right at Christmas. So at Christmas time, I would sit down, often with my sister, and the two of us would just watch the latest season of Mozart in the Jungle. And they were half-hour episodes, so you could like knock out a season like, Easy. quite Love comfortably it. through an afternoon. And they're not doing it this year. Well, the show came to an end like two years ago, so now it's just I don't even know what to do at this time of the year. Do you think we'll see anything? Will Will any of the shows? Will Netflix drop a bingeable show on Boxing Day or something like that? Uh, so there's a couple of shows that are dropping around. So there'll always be stuff around. Yeah, but there was just that consistency of being able to watch Mozart. And the you Jungle. really enjoyed that little thing. Yeah, that now it's gone. Yeah, like I just don't even know what there is to celebrate at that time of the year. I will also actually the one other thing that I do watch every year will be the uh, Festivus episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, um, that's a very good one. Try you have to watch that pre. Christmas Day. Like Try and act out a bit of Festivus. Because I think Festivus is on the 23rd. 23rd. <laughs> I'm glad that we both knew that. Um, yeah, so I'll be watching that on the 23rd. I'll be making my children perform feats of strength, and I'll be telling them all the ways they've disappointed me this year. Yeah, I'll just be walking around the streets just complaining about tinsel, because I find it distracting. <laughs> it is distracting. It's awful stuff. Yeah, so uh, erect your Festivus polls. and I'm going to get my poll. It's going to be a great Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, it's amazing how um, big Festivus got for a while there. Yeah. <laughs> sort of fallen off now. That also might have been the bubble that you and I were in. <laughs> we're in our workplace. We talk about Festivus a lot. All right. Our 25-minute episode is pushing 38 minutes. What the heck? Let's get out of here. Chris Yates, it has been a pleasure. This has been Always Be Watching. This has been our weekly discussion about TV, Star Wars, Christmas traditions, <laughs> turkeys, hams. I don't even know what we've edited out of this episode. Chris Yates... You're not on social media, but I am. People can find me at the Dan Barrett across the platforms that you want to find me on. Uh, if you like the website, alwaysbewatching.com, which you should visit going to that URL. I got really confused, but I tried to talk myself <laughs> into that sentence. Visit that website. There'll be a newsletter. You can subscribe to it. You can forward it on to your friends, which you should do. Threat Level Midnight, I learned about from your newsletter. Yeah. I wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Hmm. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> just, just telling you that uh, I'm a, reading it for a change. There's a Facebook group. You know, there's all sorts of ways you can engage with Always Be Watching. But if you like this podcast, leave reviews, helps other people find it. 
Yes, this means you, John. Please leave a review. You've been saying you're going to. I keep checking. Please. I don't know who this John fellow is, but you should get onto it. <laughs> uh, absolute pleasure once again, Dan. Thank you for uh, having me in. Chris, it has been a fantastic holiday season with you. I'm looking forward to next week's episode where we do our best of 2019. Me too. But not a list because lists are lame. No, just casual mentions. Take it easy, Dan. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you.